I thought, wow, like rhythms carry with them these intense stories that once you get them into your body, you can't get out. The heart of any university is in its books, and the Boston College English Department is setting out to discover what books mean to its faculty and grad students in the digital age. You're on soundingsbc.com, and this is From the Bookshelf. Organizations, whatever, you know, the Old South Meeting House, different places will hire us to go to events, and people will wander up and will say, what's on your mind? And then they tell us something that's on their mind or whatever they want a poem about, and on the spot in five minutes, we will type up a poem. That's Allison Adair. Last week, she talked with Tim about poetry, her path to the academy, and what it feels like to be a writer. I think it would be interesting to do some sort of study of how all professors organize their books, because like Eric Weisscott's discussion of periodization, there's a sort of artificial decision on how to categorize everything. Um, but I go back and forth and I feel ethical dilemmas <laughs> sometimes about how my books are organized. I've separated poetry from prose. Um, I have some things separated out by class, but for the poetry shelf, I have all of my international and non-anglophone poems together. But that seems strange too, because then you have epics being totally separated from like Britlet and stuff like that. But anyway, I have all the sort of foreign language stuff up top and then um, American books, which is my primary specialty midway down. And then beyond that, everything is uh, organized chronologically. Most people I know find it weird to say they're writers, like I'm a writer. That sentence always seems sort of strange, um, and it really seems strange to me. Um, I was joking in class this morning that for me, becoming a poet was a, my backup plan, which is my plan, as a plan B, it is not the most secure of plan B, but um, when I went to college, I knew I wanted to major in English, and I knew I liked literature as a reader. I always liked reading, as you know, most anyone near a college ha has felt, um, but I didn't envision myself as a writer until I started, you know, in high school, you have contests and things like that, scholastic keys and all that jazz. Um, and I entered some, you know, poems and short stories and humor essays and things like that in contests and got some nice feedback. So when I went to college, I knew I wanted to study literature, um, but I thought I would do fiction. I thought I'd be a prose writer. And I say this having never done it, <laughs> like ever. So when I got to college at Brown, I went to Brown and there was, um, Two ways. There were two ways to get into creative writing workshops. Either the lottery, and we shared that lottery with RISD Kids, Rhode Island School of Design. So you could just luck into one class with 15 students, or the intermediate level classes and advanced were all by writing sample. I didn't think I was ready for the intermediate classes, so I entered the lottery for fiction of all kinds and nonfiction, um, but I didn't get in. So. The next year I thought, well, I have some poems, so let me try to get into the intermediate classes and then I'll try the lottery again. I didn't get any classes through the lottery, um, but I got into the fiction, or excuse me, I got into the poetry workshop. So I thought begrudgingly, like, okay, well, <laughs> this is like the world of black turtlenecks and snapping and, you know, kind of crusty old, I don't know what, but nothing I wanted. Um, but I thought I'll go into the poetry classes to see how little is required in order to express a deep idea. Like, how can I make my prose most efficient? Poetry will teach me that. The idea of graduate school and um, a writing life and an academic life still seemed to me very foreign. It just wasn't something I had grown up around and I didn't feel, it just didn't feel true to me. So it was a, it was a fiction writer named Robert Coover who took me aside my senior year and said, what are you doing next year? 
and I had taken a class with him in experimental narratives um, and I said well I love books so I'm going to go into publishing and he was like no 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 <laughs> there's this thing called an MFA you know and so he introduced the idea to me and um, still then I was going to go to Ireland actually to work with John Hume and that was all set up but long story short that fell through and so I got a temp job and applied to graduate programs and I only applied to ones I thought would really be amazing where great students would be. So truly, I, I did everything I could to get away from it, <laughs> but um, it seemed, you know, possible. The poems that I appreciate the best, and in fact, the fiction and prose, I should say in general, that I appreciate the best, uh, the most, is something that's written in a voice or with a construction that leads me to a deeper understanding of the problem or question or desperation that has a really fully informed and thorough sense of the issue but doesn't necessarily offer you know a kind of tied up answer or solution um, and in that way i think i'm sort of tend toward modernist work where like you know i like the text to hand me the problem and be like what are you going to do about it the former student from BU, I go around Boston and do um, poetry on the spot with a typewriter. So different organizations, whatever, you know, the Old South Meeting House, different places will hire us to go to events and people will wander up and will say, what's on your mind? And then they tell us something that's on their mind or whatever they want a poem about and on the spot in five minutes we will type up a poem. Um, and you want to talk about the collision of knowing and not knowing. Like, I've learned more about, like, you know, Labradoodles and Cocker Spaniels and all this. People always want poems about their dogs and about baseball and things like that. But um, there's, there's something about saying, I don't know anything, but here's my best shot at what we could do together. That is really in evidence in that experience. And that's the kind of vibe I try to go for in all of my own poems. It's funny because I spend so much time uh making sure that my poems qualify as poems that there's a lesson that makes me quiet and thoughtful in the fact that this poem you know achieved quote unquote uh a certain you know acclaim that a lot of my others have not and what's really interesting to me is once this book came out um I got and continue to get personal letters from people, men and women, who have gone through themselves or with their partners miscarriages, and they people who are not poets at all in some cases, and that is a kind of amazing thing. So, anyhow, miscarriage. The colors are off, muted like a confession. That's what drew that's what drew me to it. This rug in the middle of my living room floor. I found it enchanting. We'd lost our first to moths. What could we do? It was their season. I didn't know how to save things. This one would be different. Woven into the pattern were women facing one another, each passing a small blurry object to the next. I was determined to take better care this time, swept and scrubbed, tried to comb out of the fibers anything wrong unnatural. The wood planks bowed as I worked. But something had already laid its eggs in a place I couldn't reach. The women in the carpet looked away as if they knew what they'd come to deliver. It's incredible. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
it gets easier to read. It, get, mm. it gets easier to read, you know, as I read it. But it was a very personal book. And I've written... From the Bookshelf is a production of the Boston College English Department. Special thanks to Allison Adair and Joe Nugent, as well as Tim Morrissey for recording the interview. My name's Peter. Thanks so much for listening.